Hi everyone and welcome along to the brand new Celtic View podcast for this very new season where every week we're going to look back on all the action from the first team, the B team and the women's team fixtures and we're going to give you exclusive interviews throughout this series with some of the members of the squad from each of those teams. My name's Ryan Marr today I'm joined by our Celtic View editor Paul Cuddy. Hey Paul, how are you? Very good, after uh, some positive results at the weekend. Yeah, there were some very positive results which we're, we're going to get into. Um, throughout this podcast series as well, though, we want you to be involved as well as fans. So make sure that every week you're keeping up to date with our social media channels because we'll be asking you questions for ideas of topics that we want to discuss throughout this. So make sure you, you do that. Um, in this first episode, we're, of course, we're going to look back on the action from the, the first team when we defeated Ross County 3-1 at the weekend, as well as the big win for the women's team on Sunday when they won 9-0 against the Bernie in their first match of the league campaign. And we have an exclusive interview with Yorgos Yakimakis coming up as well. Um, Paul, just to start off the podcast every week, what we want to do is kind of pick out a, a moment of the weekend for you. So it could be something from the, the first team, the women's team and the B team. Is there anything that stands out to you from that weekend of action for you? Probably, I mean, I think if you take the, the first team game at Dingwall, the moment it stood out for me, actually, and I was thinking about it all weekend, was our third goal. It's the, the last minute, I think we might actually be in added time. We're winning 2-1. Other teams might see the game out, we get the three points. But we've Greg Taylor, who I thought was outstanding again, mm. on the edge of their area, pressing the ball, winning the ball, helping set up the chance, plays it out wide to Jota, it's inside, Abada scores. And I just thought that typified... Greg Taylor's performance, I think it typified the way Ange Postacoglu wants the team to play, that even at 2-1, you're not satisfied, we're still pressing for another goal, and I thought that was I thought that was just excellent, and it really just epitomised the, the way we played mm -hmm. at the weekend. So much intent, wasn't there, just throughout that whole 90 minutes. I think my moment of the weekend has to be probably Marit Jensi's smile after the match. I mean, we got the, I was up the game, got the chance to speak to him afterwards, and he was just non-stop beaming after that goal and, and that game and saw him afterwards as well after the interview just walking around the place you could just see the smile in his face so it was amazing to see someone in their debut just grab a goal like that and enjoy it so much I mean I thought he had a really good game actually I mean he looks very comfortable on the ball um, both him and Carmen Carter-Vickers I thought were at the heart of quite a lot of their attacking intent but when you score a goal like that particularly you know when they pegged his back to, to one apiece and the way he just attacked that ball was brilliant and you know, as you say, when he spoke to you after the game, you know, that's a, that is a dream debut and then he just immediately, because, you know, the fans are right at the, the side of the <laughs> pitch, so your momentum just takes you into the crowd and I think for a new player, um, that must be a brilliant feeling. Yeah. What would what do you think you'd be like if, if that were you in that situation? I mean, I, I know I'd be exactly like that and probably times 100, you know? Oh, I mean, it's, it's it must be incredible just to, to score and I think it just settles, probably settles him down as well. He had a, he had a really good debut, but to mark it with a goal and, it's such an important goal as well, an important time in the game. But then just to be able to just launch yourself into the crowd <laughs> as well, and I think because the because the the fans are so close, I think quite you know you get away without getting a yellow card as well, which was good. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, let's get into into the action of the match then. A three-one victory over Ross County on Saturday. It's always a tricky place to go, isn't it? We saw that last year with the the late late goal in that December night game, second match of the season as well. Ross County, I know they lost the first game against Hearts, but by all accounts put in a very good performance. So it's always going to be difficult, but we managed to kind of see it out. I know we got the late goal as well, but we managed to see it out quite well, really, in the end, didn't we? I mean, I thought we were, were pretty dominant. Um, 
They, they do, they dig in and they'll just keep going and, and obviously they, they hope to hang in there and they manage to get the equaliser and then they hope that that maybe knocks us off our, our stride. But I felt that we were in control of the game. I thought we played really well. I was quite surprised at times at how deep they played in, you know, in that first half in particular. They just seemed to, as soon as Cameron Carter-Vickers got the ball, they just seemed to part and allow him to run forward. And there was a couple of times in the, in the commentary, Simon Donnelly and I, were, you could see the two of us thinking, shoot, shoot. And he, he did have a couple of, of goes. They kind of closed it up a wee bit in the second half, but I, I always felt that we were quite dominant. And I, again, I think you, you spoke to the manager after the game about the character of the team. When we lose that goal, having played so well, they just kept going and, and we got a reward in the end. And it's always great, Kyogo got the first goal, it's always great to get your strikers getting goals at this stage of the season, just getting them up and running. And it was a brilliant goal as well, brilliant move from down that left-hand side and Jota setting them up. I mean, Jota, we spoke last weekend about his, his wonder goal, but at the weekend, I mean, it was a, a trio of assists. Because actually after the game, and I think we need to check with him if he did take the ball up the road for a hat-trick of assists, because he was carrying a match ball when they were when going up to, to acknowledge the fans. But his delivery, you know, he did really well. He stayed on his feet and just had that presence of mind to cut it back. Kyogo had to, it was great technique, just to play it really tight into the right-hand post. I thought all the goals, uh, there was something you know to really marvel at as well. And as I say, Jota was at the heart of that. Another potential moment of the weekend as well was, did you see Jota's little dance after he set that goal up? No? I did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did, yeah. So I, I think it's the sort of thing that maybe you should recreate on the <laughs> podcast at one point. I'm, I'm far too old for that. I think I'll give it a miss, yeah. i tell you the other, the other moment I thought in that game, which I think sometimes when you win and you know somebody scores on their debut, etc., Joe Hart's save at one oh. one each. At the time, I described it as a, a world-class save by a world-class keeper. And it, it certainly was that. And the more you, you look at it, because it just went through, I think it must have taken a slight deflection. He, he must have seen it at the last second. Mm -hmm. But to be able to save that, and it, uh, that's why he's been such an important signing for us. Because just in key moments, he, he makes those saves that can win you games. It's not even just like getting there to make the save. It's So many keepers would maybe save that and push it back out into the, that danger area where there were so many bodies but he saved it and managed to like I don't know if he just bounced in the ball or keep, kept a hold of it but it was just remarkable and then not long after that we kind of go up and, and get that second goal but that was so crucial as you said he's been such a big player for us Joe Hart just in the what I loved as well is when he he then got the ball and he was going to race forward and was just kind of giving a few Ross County players a shove as well to get them out of the way he's just Kind of got that winning mentality, doesn't he? And I think as well, you know, we've still got quite a young defence. You know, Cameron Carter-Vickers is just outstanding, but he's only about 24. Mm -hmm. You know, Greg Taylor's still in his mid-20s. You know, we're bringing in a new young player from Germany. But to have somebody of his experience who's, you know, you can hear him during the game, he's talking them through the game, he's organising them. He's, he's been there and he's done it all. And I think people automatically will look up to him. But I think he also leads by example. And, and as I say, I think he's been... An exceptional signing for us. Mm -hmm. But I suppose in, in terms of, we spoke a bit about Monique Shens getting that second goal, which, I mean, it kind of felt like the winner. I know Abada got one in the 91st minute as well, but just what a perfect way to to make your, your debut as a Celtic player and, and to, to get a goal to cap it off. I mean, that must just do him the world of good. He did tell me actually when he signed, he's, he pronounced his name Moritz, as in San Moritz. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking I'm mean, I heard you interviewing him at the weekend. But he as I say, he, he he was very confident when he signed his, you know, he's very articulate and very confident in his own ability. I think it helps having Matt O'Reilly. They were obviously friends from when they were came through the Fulham Youth Academy. 
that'll help him settle in. He's done a full pre-season anyway before he joined us. And even in that glimpse we saw in, in pre-season, he looks very comfortable on the ball. And, you know, I think there's real competition. You know, Stephen Welsh had played really well against Aberdeen. Uh, Carl Starfelt is now back fully fit as well. I think... I think when people are discussing it, it's almost like who's going to partner Cameron Carter Vickers because he's, again, he's just been another outstanding mm. signing for us since, since he's joined. And again, at the weekend, he was absolutely solid. I know, I just can't believe that I'm older than Cameron Carter Vickers. I mean, he's just, I feel like a little boy when I'm next to him. He's just so so big and so fast as well. We saw that again in Aberdeen game. He's like deceptively so quick. That you don't really you don't really think he's got that pace about him, but just so calm and so assured. And, the fact, I think, we're only two games into this season, but you can already see that that mentality is still there from the, the back end of last year, that potentially that might have been a game at the start of last season. We may not have got over the line, but we just still have that belief constantly in what the manager wants to do. And most of the time, that gets you over the line, and there's just so much belief in the squad, isn't there? Also, I think the, the big difference from last season, which I think the manager's already spoken about, is the strength that we've got in the squad because last season you know if we lost for example if our central defender was missing then you know you're starting to think who's going to play there on midfield so obviously Stephen Welsh doesn't make it the weekend we can bring in Moritz Jens Rio Hatate's rested he took a couple of knocks against Aberdeen we bring in somebody of David Turnbull's quality so it means then you're not in any shape or form weakening the squad it's just as strong and, and then when you look at the bench the players that you can bring on who then have an impact in the game I mean, that's a, that's a great thing for us to have. And it's, it's a, it's a big difference from last season because the manager's now had a full year with the team, but then been able to bring in the players he's wanted. And, you know, as I say, when you bring in somebody like Abada to replace somebody like Maida, who's, who I absolutely love, then I think, that's, I think that's a brilliant position that we're in at the moment. And what a goal that was as well from Abada. I mean, obviously, all the press and we spoke about the intent in that 91st minute, but the finish as well, I mean, the turn and the swivel and the bend that in the, the, the far right corner was just incredible. I think because, I think last season, you know, there were so many new players that came in and, and made such an impact. And I think at times people maybe forgot, not forgot, but because they may be talking about the impact of Kyogo and then when Hatati came in, for example, and, and even when Yakimakis went on this goal scoring run, Abada, for me, from, from the word go, was so consistent. I mean, I think he scored 15 goals for us last season. He he had a he was a brilliant signing for us and it had made a real impact and you know I think he just looks as if he's carrying it on. He's only twenty. I mean he's still got you'd expect so much more that he can improve on and, and get better on. The fact that he signed as a nineteen year old and he hit the ground running, I mean he's just such an exciting prospect. As you said, the fact that we've got such strength and depth and even we got an opportunity to see Yakimakis and Kyogo playing up front as well. I don't know if that's something they'll continue to do at any point throughout the season, but it was interesting to see that happen. The fact they've thought, you know what, we're going to put two... And I just thought, if you're in the Ross County defence, you've got Yakimakis, Kyogo, Jota and Abada to defend as a back four. I mean, that's frightening. I know. And it was interesting when, when he did, the manager did do that. And then once we got the second goal, then he, he withdrew Kyogo and brought Aaron Moy on and just solidified his midfield again. But... I think it's just the intent of like we're going to win this game, and there's different ways to win a game. And you know, I like I like that kind of contrast that we have up front because Kyogo gives defenders one set of problems, then Yakimakis comes on and gives them another set of problems. So I think it, it really keeps defenses on their toes. Well, I mean, Yakimakis, he's moves us on nicely to him. We managed to to sit down with him to to talk about the start of the season and to get his thoughts on 
how things have been going so far this year. So let's listen to that now. Forrest still with it. The chance, and it's a fourth goal! And it's Yakimakis! Anthony Ralston trying to take it to the byline, does well, a great cross, and a chance! And it's finally the opening goal for Celtic! Jonas, thanks very much for joining us and being the first guest on the podcast. Um, first of all, I was, I was going to ask you how are you, but I think I need to say a belated congratulations on the, the birth of your, your baby. And secondly to that, are you getting much sleep at the moment? Yeah, uh, first of all, uh, it's a pleasure for me to be here. It's, um, thank you also for your wish about uh, my newborn baby. Uh, he's doing well. Yep. At the moment, he's not with me. Uh, they're back in Greece because I had to prepare the passport and then okay. they can come. So I think in the next uh, 10 days, they will be able to come uh, and be next to me. And uh, of course, I need them. Uh, I miss my family. I miss my, my boy, my, my son and my daughter now, my wife. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, to bring them back. It must be challenging for footballers because you never really get that opportunity because of the amount of games that you have to, to go away and spend time with your family in those moments. I know you, you got some time to be there for the birth, which must have been nice, but is it difficult at the same time as well? Yeah, of course it's difficult. Uh, your family, they, they, they have to be like uh, next to you all the time because otherwise it's very difficult. You don't have um, many days off, so you cannot travel to them. Uh, they have to be with you all the time. So from the moment we choose to, we have chosen to give birth in, uh, in Greece, then we already knew that for one month or two months it's going to be very tough, really tough after that, uh, because they had to stay back. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I'm a little bit patient, a little bit uh, for uh, um, not long, I wish. <laughs> And they will be back for me with me, and uh, of course I need them. They are uh, my strength all the time. Yeah. Does that change you as a, a footballer when you have a family? Does it change your your mindset and your approach to the game and, and what you value becomes different? No, it didn't change my my mind just uh, on football and how I'm uh, I'm watching football, uh, which aspect, uh, but. They change sometimes. Uh, they change your decisions about your life, about um, how you're going to spend your money, that you have to invest about your children. That um, it's different things that makes you uh, more mature, and uh, you're forced to be uh, because of them. No more flash cars or <laughs> save the money for your children. Yeah, to be honest, that's a passion that I have, and I can't, I can't hold it. Uh, no. Have you have you have you had a lot of kind of fancy cars then over your time? Yeah, I had I had some cars, but at the same time I was doing my investments, uh, so I was trying to keep a balance. And uh, you know the the main reason that I, I can keep this balance is my wife because usually she doesn't say that don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. It's like okay, you want to do that? Okay, do that, but you have to buy this one also. Okay. <laughs> so she she's uh, really important in the, about keeping the balance in the in the house. Yeah. What's been your favorite car that you've had? Um, to be honest, this one that I have now is Range Rover the SVR. It's a beast. Uh, it's also a safe car. It's 
it's a, it's a fast car, but also you have spaces for the for the children and. Um, it's safe because it's really big. Yeah. And, uh, well, now you've got the kids. You have a seven-seater pickup car. Seat. Yeah, I, 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 I think I'm gonna stop right now. It's <laughs> enough for now. The two children are enough, and uh, yeah, we already talked with my wife. I said, okay, look, you know what? It's not easy when you're abroad the country when you're alone. You have to chill a little bit. Mm -hmm. Two are already. Um, enough and uh, maybe after my retirement we will think about that again and yeah we'll see. <laughs> well, plenty of time for you to try it anyway yeah yeah um, football two games two wins yeah things must be quite positive around Lennox town at the moment yeah yeah the, the, the energy we have in the, the training center is really positive uh, we're happy that we started the this season with uh, two wins over two games um, we have to keep on keep on going and um, to win every single game, that's our main target, play our football and uh, make our fans uh, really happy and proud for uh, got our backs. How different do things feel for you at the moment, 12 months on from if you think back about when you signed and I know you didn't have much of a pre-season at your last club as well, do things feel different for you just now? Yeah, of course it feels different, of course I feel really important for this club and um, the fans make me realize this every single game they sing for me and uh, it's just something that I will I will always appreciate I will always love I will always remember uh, and that's that's uh, one of the reasons that uh, I will try to give my best in the field for the for this club and to score some goals because I already missed scoring some goals and uh, celebrating with them. Mm -hmm. When you came on against Ross County, the fans were singing your song. Have you heard it? Do you, yeah, do you like it? Yeah, of course. I love it. I love it. Whenever they, they sing my song, uh, I, I just love it. I just enjoy it. And uh, it's, as, I, as I said before, it's something that I will uh, always remember. That, and this song, sometimes we, <laughs> we always celebrate in the training centre with my teammates. They make fun <laughs> of me. And uh, yeah, it's something that I really enjoy. What, did they have it on in there? No, on the stereo, but uh, they sing on their own. <laughs> it's something amazing. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. <laughs> it's a good song. In terms of the fans, we, we knew that you were going to come on. We asked them to, to send in some questions for you. So I'm going to read a few of them out to you just now. Um, so first one is from Willie Sherry, who asks, how has your time at Celtic been so far? What's your favourite me memory? And PS, best of luck for the new season. Uh, as uh, we said that before, that uh, I feel very good right now. Uh, I feel settled and uh, I'm really happy uh, for playing for, about this club, uh, on this jersey, uh, under these colours. and. My favorite moment. <sighs> My favorite. I had many, many memories, many positive memories uh, from last year, and uh, of course was the goals that I scored. Um, but the, the best, the best memory was when we, when I scored the, the goal against Daddy away, and uh, we just uh, uh, settled the, the, the title. That was the best memory I had, and also then uh, when we had the trophy day, uh, we enjoyed it with uh, fans. It yeah. was really nice. That's a good few days, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, next one comes from Marion Morton, who asks, "What is the favourite goal that you scored from last season? Maybe that Dundee United one, or, or something else?" No, I would say the last game, the overhead kick, uh, because not only because it was a beautiful goal, but because I was 
on the run again to be like a top scorer. Yeah. So I knew that I had some time more to to score the second goal at least and to to join the top scorer yeah. position. So what I did and uh, yeah, it was the, the best goal that I had. Yeah, the goal as well. Um, the next one comes from Johnny Twenty Four who asks, "Who's the most annoying player in the team?" In the team. Yeah. Maybe someone that's just always loud or something that's always kind of getting you up. Uh, annoying. <laughs> Maybe annoying is quite a strong word, but like someone that's. that's always no, I always. Yeah, it's not annoying, but uh, I always uh, have um, have so much fun with Abada. He always, uh, I face him like uh, my little brother, yeah. and I always try to dish him up and uh, <laughs> make fun of him. Uh, he's a funny guy, he's a really funny guy, and yeah. the way he speaks English and uh, everything he's trying to do is so funny. He tries. He, he tries, he tr yeah. of course he tries. I remember that, uh, last year when, he, when I first came here, um, he couldn't say even like good morning or something, he didn't understand, <laughs> but he, yeah, he, he gave an amazing, amazing effort. And now he can uh, he can uh, have a proper chat. I think yeah. I can tell. Yeah, it's, but he's still funny. So <laughs> he will be always funny. Brilliant. Um, now, to end, but every time we get a guest on, what we want to do is do a, a quick fire sixty-second quiz. So you're the first guest we're going to have on. So you can set the highest score here, obviously, since you're the only one. Set the standard for the rest of the season for everyone else we get on. Okay. And what we'll do is. Every time we get a guest on, their score will go up against yours and see who wins, right? So, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. To do what? So, we're going to ask you questions all about kind of you, your teammates, Celtic, okay. Everson. Mm -hmm. Okay. Quick fire, see okay. how many you get, okay? Yeah. You ready? So, three, two, one. So, you made your debut against which team? Uh, my debut was... You can pass. Oh, pass. Okay. Uh, you scored two hat-tricks against which two teams last season? Yeah, Dade and Ross County. Yep. Celtic won 7-0 against which team last season? St Johnson. Yep. Who scored more goals for Celtic, Jota or Abada? Jota. Abada. Uh, oh. Salmon asked for which number at Celtic? Nine. Yep. Which two players joined in transfer deadline here alongside you? Um, Cameron mm -hmm. and Jota. Yep. Who won the last time Scotland played Greece? Football. Sorry, sorry. Who won the last time Scotland played Greece? Who won? 50-50. Greece? No, Scotland. I had to go for Greece. <laughs> How many goals did you score against Ben Segrist last season? Against Ben Segrist? Uh, three. Two. Mm. No, it was three. Oh, was it three? Yeah, okay, of course. Okay. Um, which Scottish team did David Turnbull uh, sign for Celtic from? Marwell. Yep. And who scored the final goal of last season? Me? Yes. That's it. Time's up. Time's up. Definitely three? Yeah, it was two in the cup and one oh, in, uh, in the league. My bad, my bad. Right, I think you got so seven So when, when we first uh, signed him, and I met him by close, you know, yeah. just here, I said, oh, yeah, you're my favourite goalkeeper. I scored the most goals. <laughs> I said, that's why they signed me. He said, they were making jokes, like, that's why they signed me, because they try to, you know, to increase your psychology all the time and make you feel happy and comfortable. <laughs> Brilliant. I think that was seven. I'll check it when we get back, but... I think that's a decent score to start off. Uh, Samaras, I know that uh, he was like uh, number nine because when I called him when I was about to sign for Celtic, mm -hmm. I called him and he said, hey, don't take number nine, it's pretty heavy. <laughs> he said that to a you? Big, yeah, a huge player had it before, so <laughs> I said, who was it? 
Same me. Ah, you okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I remember that because I was watching all the games when he was playing, almost all the games, and I knew of course that he was number nine. Yeah, he's a bit of an icon around here, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, of big course. moment. Jogos, thank you so much for being the first guest on. Thank you. All the best. Take care. Thank you very much. That is Jogos Yakimakis there. I mean, a striker who Paul. It's incredible to think about the sort of the last six months he had last year. He came in, I know he kind of struggled with injuries as well. He only got one goal in this, the first half of last season and went in this incredible run. And he's now such a, an important player to this team, isn't he? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think once he was fully fit and, you know, he was trained every week and playing, you saw what he brought to the team. I think, you know, particularly, I think the, the Derby game was, was, a, was, a key, was a key game for the whole team it was in terms of the season. I think he showed just how much he brings to the team in terms of his physicality, but also just the way he can hold the ball up. He can just he can, he can bring other players into the game. He can allow the team to, to move up. He wins a lot of fouls in key areas, but he scores it. And, and you know, quite often in commentary, you hear you know we'll, we'll talk about the fact he's this phenomenal scoring record just one touch. And and I think as a striker, I'm guessing if the ball's in the box, if you can do that, then nine times out of ten you're going to score because it doesn't allow the defence the time to adjust to block and. He, I think he's become a key player, and again, it's great the fact that it gives us that different option of, you know, Kyogo is a certain type of player and, and that pace and that just burst of energy, and, and Yakimakis is a totally different player, as I say, he leads the line, he, and because you can do that, I think defences suddenly, they maybe start to think, right, well, we know what we can do with Kyogo, and then next minute, Yakimakis comes on and, and changes things up, but once that ball goes in, in the box, and I think for the wide players, it must be great. Because you know if you're putting that ball in the box, he's going to get on the end of it. And and even on Saturday, there was balls starting to come in the box and you were almost anticipating him getting on the end of it because mm. he's just so good at instinctively just knowing where to be. Yeah. There's another big win for the women's team at the weekend as well. On Sunday when they started off their new league campaign with a, a 9-0 victory over Hibernian. Paul, I know you, you caught up with the match Nine 0 I mean, what a start to the season! You can't get any more emphatic than that. I mean, I think from I think they scored after thirty seconds, yeah. um, and it was quite it was good. I mean, from that point on, it was just a procession. I think nine. I mean, it's a strange thing to say. And I think nine 0 flattered Hibs actually because it was six 0 at half time. The second half was complete domination, and, and you know a combination of some good goalkeeping, uh, the, the post, the bar, and a couple of a sitters. I suppose it could have been even more. But I mean, they scored after thirty seconds. I think Tyree Burchill was making her first team debut. She provided the assist, which again for a young player is great just to do that. Uh, there was hat tricks for Jacinta and Clarissa Larissey. Um so that was really impressive as well. And I thought they that that combination worked really well. Like uh, Larissey led the line, and I, I've seen her doing it last season where she's really pacey and get a really good touch. So she's always stretching defenses and causing them problems. And you saw her her third goal. For her hat trick was she actually just pressurised the goalkeeper and dispossessed the goalkeeper and scored, and then Jacinta just playing in those pockets behind, she was picking the ball up and immediately driving towards goal, which was causing causing chaos. So those two were, were really really good. The, the other two players that I thought really, the, the, you know, the players that have come in, I thought Lisa Robertson's back and just anchors that midfield, and you can just see the quality. She just puts her foot in the ball and keeps the play moving. Amy Gallagher, who joined from Hibs. She she had a great game, scored a couple of goals. Was really unlucky. She had a brilliant chance to hit the post in the second half. Brilliant play down the left hand side. She looks as if she'll be a real player. And then uh, Lucy Ashworth Clifford, who 
as a left winger, I thought she was outstanding. Um, she gave the team real width. Her first touch was brilliant, and she just was immediately driving towards the right back, getting past them, putting in some amazing balls. There was one, I think it was just into second goal, uh, the ball was just played out wider. She just moved forward, swung it into the box. Brilliant delivery and the ball in the back of the net. She looks as if she'll be a real asset for us in terms of her attacking play. There's so much positivity around the women's team off the back of a, a very successful year last year, winning the cup double. So to then start off a league season with a 9-0 win, I mean, their confidence is just going to be sky high at this moment in time in terms of trying to match those achievements of last year or trying to even go one better. I mean, I think it was one of those ones. Hibs traditionally are quite a difficult team to play against. They've gone professional, so I'm not sure if they were thinking, from a Celtic point of view, thinking that might be more difficult because obviously they're now professional, they're training full-time. But I think they just never gave Hibs a, a minute on the ball. And as I say, after, quite often you see in games where a team's, you know, I've seen it here at Celtic Parkway, you know, the team's winning 4-5, whatever, 6-0 at half-time. And they don't keep up that momentum in the second half. And that was one of the encouraging things that they actually did. And even the players that were coming on, it was just, as I say, they, they scored three goals in the second half. It could have been about another three or four. And that's a really good start. And I think it just gives them confidence because I, I'm guessing that, again, it'll be a three-horse race between ourselves, Glasgow City and Rangers. Those are probably the three teams that are just at a different level from everyone else. So if you can beat a team like Hibs so emphatically, and as I say, the new players come in, and it was also encouraging in midfield to say Lisa Robertson's a great midfielder and she's got, she used to have this great partnership with Natalie Ross and she missed most of last season through injury. She came on as well and again you can just see the quality that she has in midfield and that's again from Fan Alonso's point of view that's great to be able to have those players with that experience added into the new players and younger players. So it looked at you know it's one game but really really encouraging and really enjoyable. Some of the football they played was excellent at times. Because there was so much change as well in the summer in the Celtic team. A lot of the players from last season had left. and Charlie Wellens, who scored so many goals, left the club. A lot of new players coming in as well. So there's almost a kind of new feel around the squad. And I imagine it's still difficult when you're bringing in so many players to try and make sure you can hit the ground running. So to get such an emphatic win, it just shows that everything they must have been doing in pre-season has, has paid off. And it must just give them so much excitement about what could potentially happen then coming into the, the new season? I mean, I think there's still that you know that feel-good factor from that Scottish yeah. Cup final win, which was just incredible. I mean, if that's, that's a way to win a Cup final, you know, down to 10 players and then you score an extra time to win it. So I think the, there's that confidence of winning trophies now, so they're actually they're winners. Obviously, the target is, is the league, if they can do that. That's going to be really difficult. But, you, you know, as you say, they've... they've lost some players but even up front I mean the, the goals focus and, and obviously that's a lot of goals you're taking out of the team with Charlie Wellens leaving but I, I, I thought there was times last season when she was injured and they played Clarissa Larissa through the middle and I think she's really good through that middle as I say she's, her movement's absolutely phenomenal and because Jacinta's just playing behind her it gives her an option when she, she again she's so positive driving forward and Larissa's making those runs and as I say out, out in the left Ashworth Crawford is, is such a great out ball in the delivery. So I, I think they might find there won't be somebody who scores 40 goals, but you might get the goals coming from all different areas this season. Well, let's show you the highlights then from that 9-0 win for the Celtic women's team against Hibernian on Sunday.
Nine goals there from Fran Alonso's side. Now, the other team in action on Friday night was the Celtic B team, who unfortunately lost 2-1 against East Kilbride, a team who are potentially going to be favourites for that league. They've got a lot of experience in their team, but just in terms of the, their start to the season, they've played five games, they've won two, they've, they've drawn one. What have you made of the B team so far this year and, and in the Lowland League system at this moment in time? I mean, in some respects, it kind of for me, it kind of mirrors last season. It just I think the longer the, the season went on for us last year, we we kind of we started to pick up. And we, we were up quite near the top of the table towards the end of the season. I think they just get into a rhythm of of playing those two games a week and, and kind of familiarising themselves with the opponents because it's it's a it's a league where there's a lot of good teams, a lot of tough teams. As you say, East Kilbride are one of the favourites. 
to to win that league and, and then have a, a chance to do you know follow Bonnie Rig Rose and actually get into to League Two. So it was always going to be a tough game and, and they lost the two goals in the first half on Friday night. I think probably the encouraging thing in the second half certainly would have been the fact that the the team didn't let their heads go down, which you know sometimes that, that can happen in football. If you especially if they lost the second goal just before half time, and they did create quite a few chances. Eventually, we got the goal. It was a penalty late on. Johnny Kenny scored it. So I think at the very least we, we deserved a goal. But you know, the, the whole point is just to kind of have that right attitude and keep going. And I think over the course of the season, kind of similar to last year, I think we'll be fine. I think it's a really, I think it's such a positive thing for the young players to actually be playing in this proper structure. So they're actually, you know, they're playing at the moment. They're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So that. Obviously, they need to adjust to that because if they want to become first-team players at Celtic, that's what they're going to have to do. Um, so I think that's that's going to be a real benefit for them. And it's maybe just taking them a wee, wee bit of time to get into the to the rhythm of the season. But you know, I think these games are, are great learning experiences for them. They'd obviously rather rather win them than lose them. But mm-hmm. I think you know, similar to last season, we'll win a lot more games than we'll, we'll lose this season. In speaking to the coaches after some of the games so far this year, a couple of them that I've covered in games that we've won and that they've maybe highlighted things about the performance they've not enjoyed in games we've not won, they've actually been a lot of positives in terms of the performance. So I suppose at that B-team level, so much of it is about trying to mirror what the first team are doing and, and how they play. So as much as, of course, the results do matter, it's a results-driven business, but that performance level is probably at that stage potentially even more important that if the performances are right and you know the system and the structure, that's going to help you moving up into the first team. I mean, the, the reality is those players are not that far away from the first team because that's the they're obviously, in one respect, they may be thinking we are because they're, they're obviously training just with the B team, they're playing the B team league, but the next step up is the first team and we've seen it before that players, you know, they could end up just end up training with the first team and impressing the manager and suddenly you find yourself in the squad. Remember Owen Moffat last season ended up playing a couple of games Played the played, yeah. You know, played in that Ross County game where Anthony Ralston scored yeah. late on, had a, a part of the, the move that we ended up scoring the winning goal. So they've, as you say, they've got to mirror what the first team are doing, but they've also got to be prepared that, you know, a moment's notice, if, if a set of circumstances arise, they might only get one moment, but they need to be ready for it because that's what they want to do. So that, you know, that's why I think it's beneficial that they're playing proper competitive football against some really tough teams. Because if you look at these Cobride side that they played against on Friday night, there's a lot of players in their team that have played in the Premiership in Scotland, people have played in the Championship level. Is that something you think is a real benefit for the B team, that they're playing against people that have got all different ranges of experience? And the Lowland League at the moment as well, there seems to be quite a lot of excitement and a lot of the teams are really trying to push to push up the leagues. You look at the likes of Cove Rangers in, in recent times and you said Bonnie Rig Rose. So it's a real competitive league. I think that's the for me that's the the, the benefit of the, the pyramid system, which is, I think, long overdue in Scottish football. I think there are some good teams. I mean, you know, again, Cove Rangers is a perfect example. I mean, they they are a season away from potentially being in the, yeah. the the Premiership and coming to Celtic Park to play us. So, you know, that's that's possible. It's you know, Bonnie Rig Rose. I'm sure their ultimate ambition is to progress through the leagues, and and the same will be for for the likes of East Kilbride. So, I think that's why. It's difficult because and it's good because you're then playing these teams who have aspirations. You're also playing teams where I think we played Spartans last midweek and it was a very physical game. So there's, there's teams as well that 
you know, there's maybe a different physicality because we've got a very young team. Some of the, the boys are only 16, 17, but they're playing against guys that are, you know, maybe a lot stronger, a bit older, and, you know, quite happy to hit, uh, you know, kick a guy in a green and white jersey. <laughs> but that's all part of the, I think, for the, the learning experience. Yeah, because it's changed so much over the years, the youth setup where it used to be the before the old reserve league system where you would be playing. A lot of the time alongside players that were maybe first team regulars that were coming back from injuries as well and playing against teams as well that, that would be playing against those types of players. So it's getting that kind of mix and that balance of getting competitive first team football against experienced pros but also having that opportunity to sort of learn and develop at the same time. Yeah and I, and I think there's so many different aspects of, of learning. I, I think the fact that you know the, the players played on on the Saturday, then they, they immediately have to start thinking about the, you know a cup game against Albion Rovers on the Tuesday night, and then after that, they then have a, a league game against Gretna. So they they're constantly thinking. They don't. It's not a case of well, we'll play one game, and then we might have another game in ten days' time. They, you know, mentally and then physically, they have to be switched on the same way as the first team do because everything's geared towards the game at the end of the week or midweek. And I think that obviously that's an adjustment for them, but I think it's, it's such. It's so beneficial, I think, ultimately. And then hopefully you see some of these guys making it into the first mm. team. The B team there in action on, on Tuesday night against Albion Rovers. The women's team are away to Partick Thistle at the weekend and the first team are away to Kilmarnock on Sunday as well. Just kind of looking ahead to the week, that Kilmarnock game, it's always a tricky place to go on that plastic pitch as well. What are your, your expectations for that one? Yeah, I mean, that it's, it's, it's must be one of the downsides of them being promoted instead of our broth is the fact it's a plastic pitch. Although... I believe it's the last season the plastic pitch will go back to grass so which is what it should be for every team in the Premiership but it, it, it does have an impact it is, a, it is a tough game but I think one of the things that we've found since the managers come in from day one uh, regardless of what the circumstances regardless of the opposition etc there's never been any excuses he's never used any extenuating circum circumstances he just says well that's who we play that's the surface we'll just go and play so I have absolutely no doubt that, that we'll go, we'll play and, and we'll beat them, and uh, which is always good to, to beat a Derek McInnes side, I have to say, but um, I, I do think we'll go there and we'll get the three points, and you know I'm quite confident about that. And again, I think the fact just now, you know, one of the benefits of having won the league last season is that we don't play European football till September. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be, it's the calm before the storm, because as soon as the Champions League starts, it's going to be relentless. You know, three games in a week. Just now, it gives them the chance to recover from the weekend and then have a full week on the on the training ground. And I think that will prove beneficial at the weekend for the for the first team. I think the B team have got a have got a tough cup tie against Albion Rovers. Obviously, you know, again, a step up in terms of the opposition, but another good test for them. And and you know, you just I suppose they've got to go in. And it's a cup tie, so they've got to go in there and hope that they can they can win that game. Um, and the the women's team. I'm sure after the nine 0 win they'll be they'll be confident. Going for <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I think it's a it's a challenge, I suppose, because they'll be confident, but you know, Fran Alonso will, will want to gather against any complacency that just because that you're supposed to go and, and beat Partick Thistle doesn't mean that that automatically happens. So, I'm sure they'll be you know again a, a full week's training and they'll be fine for mm -hmm. the weekend. And just finally, since this is the first episode, we've not had a chance to really talk about. The full season ahead and, and what's to come. What are you really excited for? For I think everyone's looking forward to those Champions League nights. Is that your sort of main draw for this season, or is there something else that kind of whets your appetite? 
I mean, I think that I think for everyone, obviously, the fact we're back in the in the group stages of the Champions League, so everybody's, I think, already looking forward to August the twenty fifth and the draw. And I mean, I think every Celtic fans hoping that we get Real Madrid because <laughs> we've been we've been hoping for that since nineteen eighty. It's so just not going to happen now, though, is no, it? It's definitely going to happen. So, is it? Okay. Yeah, um, but I think those nights. I mean, that's that's one of the, the great things about Celtic Park, the European nights. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that players who come here know about, they've experienced it to an extent, but I think, you know, to actually get group stage Champions League football against some top European sides, the atmosphere is going to be absolutely incredible. And, you know, I'm really excited to see how the team perform at that stage. I think overall, you're just looking forward to, you know, Get out of the group stages of Champions League and win the treble. That's not, that's not much to ask for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just hearing that anthem again, that's going to be incredible, isn't it? It's really something to look forward to. So, yeah, plenty to look forward to this season ahead. Uh, thanks very much for joining us for, for episode one. And do make sure you join us again next week when we review all of the weekend's actions. But for now, thanks very much and bye for now.